Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Fanboy Comics Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Clay, and tonight, tonight, uh, well, I say tonight because usually everybody is asleep, and now I'm just kind of worried because everybody in my house is still awake, and I feel like I'm probably going to have an interruption, or you're probably going to hear my little baby sister in the background just scream for no apparent reason, which is something that she does for no reason. I don't know. I don't understand it. Anyway... Of course, this is a Saturday show, which is the Shonen Jump Saturday show, where we take a deep dive into the Shonen Jump app, which if you do not have it, I highly recommend it. I'm not paid to say that. This isn't a paid uh, advertisement of any kind, but it's just something that I absolutely love. I fell in love with it uh, when a good friend of mine, Jake, told me about it. He told me how cheap it was. It's only $1.99 on the Android app. I'm pretty sure it's the same for any other app store. But I just add it to my phone bill. That's something that I personally do just to make, you know, eh, just throw it to my phone. Just pay both of them at the same time. But, you know, it, I absolutely love the Shonen Jump app just because manga has given me a new avenue to really enjoy reading again. You know, everybody knows, well, recently everybody knows that DC was kind of in a rut. Marvel was, you know, getting good, but because of the whole quarantine, we've been having to take different avenues to read comics, whether it's the stuff that you own or in the, you know, digital comic apps that, you know, Marvel provides, DC provides, and of course, Shonen Jump. And I really love the Shonen Jump app. It gives me a chance to read Dragon Ball, which I, it's a anime that I absolutely love when I grew up, you know, when I was growing up, um, I'm in love with My Hero Academia. It is quite possibly as of right now, my favorite manga slash anime. And, you know, I wanted to take a deep dive into something that I'm kind of familiar with, but have never read before, which is Roni Kenshin. That's something that we're going to be talking about, you know, again today. And let's go ahead and just dive into it. We're going to be talking about Chapter 54 of Dragon Ball Super, then we're going to be talking about, I believe, chapters 163 through 167 on My Hero Academia, and we're going to be talking about chapters 113 to 113, no, sorry, 13 to 15, that's a huge jump, we're not even close to that on Roroni Kenjin, we're going to be talking about chapter 13 through 15. So let's go ahead and jump right into it with chapter 54 of Dragon Ball Super. Alright, Dragon Ball Super chapter 54, Sun Gohan vs. 7-3. Now of course, we had some of Maru's uh, inmates from the Galactic Patro- uh, Patrol Prison. Uh, they had actually shown up on Earth. They fought Krillin and Piccolo. Now Gohan has kind of jumped in there. And now he, because Vegeta and Goku are training, Gohan right now is the strongest one uh, on Earth to protect Earth. So it immediately opens up with Gohan kicking ass uh, with 7-3. And, you know, I really love the fact that 7-3 is able to use all of Piccolo's techniques. Because you get to see things like the uh, Hellzone Grenade technique. And, you know, Gohan dodges it very, very simply and uses uh, the Masinko to shoot uh, 7-3 in the back, which is awesome. And, you know, Piccolo and Gohan have a small little back and forth. And this is super reminiscent of the Cell Saga, which was awesome. 
But uh, Piccolo changes the clothing of Gohan, of course, to get into something more, you know, battle-ready and, like, something, you know, he could easily move around with. And, you know, when Gohan went out of the hyperbolic time chamber in the Cell Saga, he was very much looking up to Piccolo, and he still does. And he says, I want to fight in your attire. I want to be just like you. And Piccolo gave him the exact same clothing. You know, the the purple, uh, I don't even know the like actual term for it. But the, uh, the outfit, the purple outfit with the red uh, belt. And this looks like the exact same one. And it's the one that Piccolo is wearing right now. So that was very, very cool. And then 7-3 used Piccolo's, uh, like, growing technique to make him a giant. And Gohan still, still kicked his ass. Very, very awesome. And at one point, I believe, yes, 7-3 actually runs out of the power. And, you know, Jocko's like, oh, he, right before he runs out of the power, uh... He's still giant or whatever, but he's using the, like, long arm, like, the stretchy arm technique. And it's so cool because Gohan jumps on his arms and is running up his arm. And while he's running up, he's charging up a Kamehameha wave. And he gets right up in his face. And right before he releases it, 7-3 runs out of power. He runs out of Piccolo's, you know, power. And so Jaku's like, oh, man, you know, he... He, he ran out of the power, take him out now. And Krillin's like, no, 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 he can't do that. You know, with that much energy in the Kamehameha wave, he would destroy the planet. Like, he he needs to be careful with this. And Piccolo's like, Krillin, come on now, you you know Gohan. Like, he's going to detonate it right at the surface. We're going to be fine. And when he does it, you see, because 7-3 has like three little, I guess they're like orbs or rubies or whatever. On his forehead. And you see. The different characters that he has absorbed the powers of. And he switches it. To Maru. That was very unexpected. And he swallows the energy just like Maru did. Back at Namek. When he, they, when he was facing. Gohan. I mean Goku and Vegeta. So this is you know a small little taste. For these heroes to see. Oh crap, this is something that he can definitely do. And, you know, the other minions do say, hey, don't absorb all the energy of the planet. He's like, oh no, I'm not absorbing all the energy from the planet. I'm only absorbing the energy from these people. And he's absorbing the energy from Gohan, Piccolo, Krillin, and Jakku. And it's the size of a freaking spirit bomb. That's insane. That is absolutely insane that they have that much energy altogether. And, you know, basically what ends up happening is uh, 7-3 actually, he dissipates the energy because they're like, hey, you know, they, they make contact with Maru and they say, you know, how much trouble these people are actually worth. And... Mario was like, hold on, hold on. You know what? These people are actually really strong. Well, if that's the case, then I want to deal with them myself. And they're like, okay, well, we'll do that. Because 
They also learn that Goku and Vegeta survived and they're training. And so Maro's thinking, oh, you know what? Don't attack them. Don't do anything yet. Vegeta and Goku are getting more energy, which means I can absorb them even more. Have everybody train as much as they can so that way I can take all of their energy and it'll be even sweeter. And that's a really stupid idea. I know Moro doesn't understand Saiyans. I understand that he doesn't know Goku. He doesn't know Vegeta. But in your mind, you're like, okay, Goku is training to like successfully master Ultra Instinct. Which gave freaking Jiren in the Tournament of Power his run for the money. Like, absolutely insane. He's not going to win this. So I'm like, okay, okay, you do you, Moro, you do you. And basically, Jaku is able to convince them to wait even longer. And so he gives, in Earth time, he gives them two months to prepare. Which is awesome, because Goku is in that small little hyperbolic time chamber that... uh each day is three days, so he, with all that math, you know, hard math, basically they have nine, or does, oh, I can't even freaking do math, oh god. <laughs> um, it says here, uh, two months, that's uh, more than we thought, that gives us six months here. So, they get ready to start training, and then it jumps to freaking Weiss. And Whis is actually using his staff to watch Miris and Goku train. And he talks to... Uh, who is it? The, he talks to Gr the Grand Priest, who is also with... Uh, I forgot the actual king of the galaxies. I forgot his name. But uh, he talks to the Grand Priest, and they're talking about Miris... And the laws of the angels, because technically they're angels. So it's saying I'm pretty much I'm pretty sure they are like getting at the fact that Miris is one of them. Miris is an angel. Now the premise of them, he even says, because uh, the grand priest asks, I don't suppose you intend to ask for your universe to be saved. And we says, I would never, we angels must maintain neutrality, siding with neither good or evil. So, with that, if that is true that Miris is an angel, he is technically breaking angel law. Which, he is the galactic patrol, he is siding with good, and he's like, bringing justice to those who are doing wrong in the galaxy. So... That is interesting. That is very interesting. That's probably why he is so strong, which is probably why Vegeta noticed so early on when we were talking about those earlier chapters, because Vegeta trained with Whis and Beerus way longer than Goku did, like way back in the beginning of Dragon Ball Super. So I thought that was awesome. You know, just everything starts clicking. I... And, and guys, I, I will say this. I do not read chapters ahead. I don't. I read one chapter every week to prepare for me recording. 
So that way I don't know what's coming up next. So that way I'm like, oh man, you guys, you, you guys better, you know, watch out for this. Now, with the My Hero Academia stuff, I have watched the anime. So yes, I know up to so long, or up to so far. But eventually we're going to hit the point where I have no clue what is going on. And I think at that point, I might just go back to doing one chapter each episode. Just because then I'm just like, holy crap. Like, I want the suspense to be real. I want to get excited for these things. And I'm really excited for this. Learning that Miris is an angel. Because if you remember, if you go back to the Tournament of Power, every, uh, what is Beerus? He's a god of destruction. Every god of destruction of every universe had an angel as their, like, right hand. So, I wonder why Universe 7, which is the universe that Goku and the Z-Warriors are in, I wonder why Miris is there when Whis is the angel of Universe 7, you know? I'm very interested to learn all of these things, and we will get to it eventually. We will definitely get to it eventually, hopefully next week. But, let's go ahead and move on to My Hero Academia because that was some fun stuff as well. Alright, My Hero Academia Chapter 163, Smoldering Flames. The fight with Overhaul is over, and now the UA students that were a part of that raid are back at the dorms, and they are smothered by their fellow students. Everybody's worried. They, they all saw everything that went down on TV, and they saw the reports, and... You know, you, you kind of see, uh, 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 oh my gosh, I can't remember. Why do I have so much, like, why do I have such a hard time with these names? I absolutely hate it. You see Todoroki and Bakugo kind of acting a little odd. They actually go to bed a little earlier than everybody else. But it's because they have their exams that they have to attend uh, later on. And we will get to that later. But, you know, all the students have all these questions, and even, uh, 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 freaking Ida, Ida, like, he, of course, is the, uh, UA class president, and so he's telling everybody to calm down, like, they don't need to be smothered, it's fine, uh, because it does make, Ida does make a small reference to, you know, it's not only them physically being, you know, uh, he says here, he says, uh, as their classmates, we ought to let them rest their weary spirits because it isn't just their bodies. Their hearts have also been worn down by everything that's happened. And it did show that small little thing with uh, Deku when he kind of broke down during lunch and him and Todoroki kind of like helped him out a little bit at lunch. But he tells Ida, he's like, don't worry, I'm fine. Because he remembers uh, the last words of night eye and also he remembers uh what uh media was talking about you know lamillion talking about how they need to keep smiling and they need to keep moving forward otherwise they can't be the great heroes that everybody thinks that they're gonna be and so that's that gives the okay to Ida to just be like oh my gosh okay i was so worried what's wrong with you guys blah, blah, blah. and all the students are like whoa th he's kind of being worse than us holy crap but you know it's it's 
this was a nice change of pace, you know, because we had a whole lot of just dramatic fighting for so long, for almost two straight uh, volumes. And now this is the back end of another volume. Uh, This is volume, I think, 18 still. And it's the back end of this. But one thing that they didn't show on the anime that they showed here in this chapter, chapter 163, it showed the reaction of, uh, oh my gosh, these names. I am so bad with these names. Uh, her name is uh, Ochaku. Uh, of course, uh, Ugravity. Uh, she uh, apparently had a conversation with Eraser about about like, you know, she was the one that ended up saving Nai from down in the pit, rose him up to get to an ambulance. And with just that small little action, like has inspired her to want to save people like this. That probably was the one action that like defined her as a hero and saying, yes, this is something that I want to do. Even though he didn't survive, it was that small action of just helping somebody, feeling urgent. Uh, And I think that that has a lot of impact on these kids. So, I really did love all of this. I love the the small interaction uh, with the... uh, I can't remember her name either. Holy crap, so many people are going to be so mad at me. Uh, (laughs) But uh, the the acid girl uh, with the little horns... Uh, I know that she went to school with Kirishima uh, before UA, and that was part of his background when he was, uh, you know, fighting with Fat Gum uh, during the during the raid underground. Uh, and she even asked, like, "Hey, are you okay?" Because they had that small little interaction on the first day of UA, like, "Hey, we're gonna be we're gonna be badass heroes someday." And just seeing those relationships really starting to click is something that's really cool. I, I love that the writers are, you know, really trying to keep that all connected. So that way, in the future, if anything happens to these people, they have that emotional support. And I really, really love that. Uh, you know, the next day, uh, uh, Bakugo and uh, Todoroki... They are planning to go to their uh, licensing exam because they did fail. And when they get there, uh, All Might and Mike are going to be their chaperones. And right when they get there, freaking Endeavor, uh, Todoroki's father, is there. He is the new number one hero. And... (laughs) uh, uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh. I can't remember any of these people's names. Is his name? Sh- no, no, no. Uh, oh my God. I do not remember the people from, uh, oh, what is their school? Their school is, uh, oh my gosh. I can't remember his name. I can't, why can't I remember his name? Hold on. I'm going to look it up really quick because I am lame. I do apologize. Uh, Oh, my gosh. 
His name is Inaso. In Inasa, Yoroshi, Yoroshi. I'm gonna call him Yoroshi. So Yoroshi is the one that uh, kind of has this. Well, it, when they first tried their licensing exam, uh, he was, of course, he's the one that can control wind currents and all of that. And he had some sort of grudge towards Todoroki. And you learn that he had a grudge towards Todoroki because he had a grudge towards Endeavor. And when he was young, Endeavor was one of his favorite heroes. And when he went to try to get Endeavor's autograph, Endeavor doesn't care about any of that stuff. Endeavor wants to be the top dog to be the top dog. He doesn't care about the fame, the fortune. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. And, like, he will brush fans away because he just doesn't care. And, of course, that's not something a hero should do. But Endeavor is kind of blocked off to that kind of sensibility. Uh, which we will also get to in the very next chapter, 164. Uh, 164, of course, is the licensing exam. Uh, and they jump in with a whole group of people. Uh, endeavors like shouting and like rooting uh, Todoroki on and uh, you know we we do get to see uh, Yoroshi make a comment about Endeavor being there and a lot of the other students are like oh my gosh that's Endeavor what is he doing here that's so odd and then they're like oh wait who's that right next to him oh my gosh that's All Might because at this point All Might it doesn't doesn't have his you know his quirk but they don't know that uh and he lost to uh, all for one. So, you know, they he is no longer the number one hero. Of course, Endeavor is. But uh, this is where we introduced to Kami. Kami was a part of the licensing exam also. But you found out that it was actually uh, the girl from before the uh, League of Villains. She had knocked her unconscious, took her blood, and then transformed into her. And because of that, she wasn't able to, you know, complete her licensing exam, so she has to put into this bunch here. And she's a little bit of a dunce, which I think is hilarious. Uh, and then, of course, Gang Orca is the teacher, again, that is in charge of the licensing exam, just like the other, uh, like the formal licensing exam. These for all, These are for all the people who did not pass before. And <laughs> this is actually probably my favorite part of this chapter, uh, because, you know, he apparently is a very good teacher. He's a very cool hero. He just looks very menacing. Uh, and he, he genuinely, if you looked at him, he genuinely looks like a like person from the mob. He genuinely does. He has that vibe with the suit and just the way he looks. And he is really degrading all these people and yelling at them. And he goes to Bakugo and he's like... Uh, Especially you, you, uh, like, you're even trying to be a hero, uh, and Baku goes like, first, because he calls everybody poop, he calls, he says here, and that's why you're a waste of oxygen, aren't, uh, cut off, uh, to be even plankton, let alone heroes, you're all lower than fish poop, and he points out, uh, Bakugo right off the bat, and he's like, you, you're not even good enough to be even trying to be a hero, 
And Baku tries to talk back. He's like, you, first off, I'm not poop. And freaking Orca just throws him. He says, you were, you lack discipline. And he goes to Tokido, uh, uh, freaking, uh, Toroshi. And he's like, and how's, uh, how are, how are you going to save anybody? And he's trying to like, Tororoshi uh, is also trying to like explain, and he throws or- Orca throws him. He's like, "You lack discipline," and he's doing that to everybody, and it's just hilarious. Like just because of the panel layout, I love the humor in manga, especially if it's timed right. It's absolutely hilarious, and the cool thing about manga is that they thrive on the humor, and it's not like you know for for comics. For Americanized comics, sorry. Uh, there's so many people that get really pissed off if there's humor in there. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I feel like in manga, it always works. I don't know why. I guess it's just the status quo. But it was hilarious here on, on this page. I absolutely loved it. And basically, the one thing that these four... Uh, Yoroshi, Bakugo, Todoroki, and Kami, their assignment is to deal with a whole bunch of kids. And you just see this crowd, these crowds of kids come in, and they're all like poking at uh, Bakugo, like all the little heroes, the younger heroes, sorry, the students. And you learn that they're kind of like the the bad bunch of kids, you know, that aren't really listening to their elders and all this stuff. And, you know, we get this small moment with Hiroshi, and he looks at Endeavor, and he's like, I'm not going to be like you. Like, these kids are impressionable, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help these kids. And, you know, that is their mission. Their mission is to get these kids to be better. To be able to be impressionable by their teachers, by adults in general. And Bakugo's the first of, like, well, before all of that, because, you know, there's a side story of this also, literally on the sidelines. Uh, because Endeavor and All Might are sitting there watching all this happen. Because it's happening kind of in a stadium, like a like a basketball stadium. So there's like theater-esque uh, stair-step seating. And so Endeavor and All Might are talking. And Endeavor kind of mellows out a little bit. And he talks to All Might. And he asks like the important question. He says, what is it? Like, what does it take to be the the number one hero? And this is where we're going to learn that, like, being the number one hero for All Might was something that, you know, he set a tone. He's like, okay, I knew that this was happening back when I was a hero. And in my mind, I knew that putting a smile on my face and easing the minds of everybody around me, you know, that's going to make me a great hero. So that way they can just move past this horrific event, whatever it may be, and 
I can just keep having that smile. That's something that All Might is just great at. And he ends up telling him throughout these, you know, because it happens along the entire story arc of these kids with, uh, with the smaller students, the UA students. And, you know, All Might says, you know, Endeavor, that, that was my route. That's how I became the number one hero. You, you are not that hero. Like, you are not the kind of person that is going to smile all the time. And, you know, he even said, like, Endeavor said, like, I had to get to a point where I knew I was going to be number two because I wanted to work as hard as I can and be the strongest. And throughout this whole thing, you, you get to see uh, Bakugo, Todoroki, Kami, and uh, Yoroshi, they find out that, okay, there is somebody amongst them that is like their ringleader. Okay, well, what are we supposed to do? Yoroshi just wants to be their friend. <laughs> uh, uh, Bakugo just wants to beat everybody up into submission. And Kami thinks that she has like this nurturing like feminism about her, which doesn't work. And Todoroki thinks that, okay, you know, I can just tell them who I am and, you know, talk to them like they're, you know, mature. And that doesn't work. So all their plans don't really work. And then they get to a point where it almost seems like they want to challenge the kids. And the kids are like, yes, this is what we always wanted. If you fight us, then you're, you're, you're like almost adults and, you know, it's going to look so bad on you guys to try to fight us. It's going to be awesome. And the teacher flips out. She's like, no, this is exactly what they want. Don't do this. Don't do this. And you learn about this small little, uh, what's it called? Theory that these kids are a part of a new wave of heroes called, uh, what are they called? Uh, it is called the, gosh, I'm trying to look right here. Because, uh, you know, they're talking, they're like all these people are talking on the sidelines while, you know, these students are trying to succeed in helping these kids. And it is said that they are a new generation of quirks blend and evolve and that and there will come a day where the where these complex overpowered quirks can no longer be controlled by any individual they call it the quirk singularity doomsday theory so basically the theory is that eventually every next generation of quirks because the way they explain it in the very beginning of My Hero Academia, when Deku is talking about how quirks are passed down, is usually if two parents have quirks, they pass both, you know, one of their quirks can be passed down to a child. Well, eventually, both of them might be passed down. And so one person will have two quirks, and then they get married to somebody who has two quirks. And just think of it that way. Like getting passed down to pass down. And eventually there will be a generation that is just all powerful inside small children. Because of course that's how 
evolution works. They are born as babies with all this power, and it's going to be crazy, you know? So I love the the history of the the history and the background of this manga and how they are they are moving forward in ways yeah it's just a theory but it makes your mind go like oh man like is that going to happen in the future like is that something that we can look forward to in like 200 chapters type of thing but basically uh, these small little kids start to attack every like all the older students, and they're yeah they're strong, but you know Todoroki and Bagu are still able to dodge and like manipulate everybody else's quirk, and they end up working together to make this giant slide. And Yoroshi is able to use his wind powers to, like, make all the kids fly up into the air and, like, get in line up at the very top and then use a slide. And so it becomes, like, this very beautiful thing. And they explain, like, oh, we worked together. And we actually manipulated your your quirks. When you shot all that stuff at us, we were able to stylize this slide. And, you know, they're genuinely being friends, but also being impersonable or impressionable sorry uh and showing them like hey you can have really cool quirks and be really strong but in order to really be a good hero and to be the best that you can be you need to learn how to manipulate stuff like this and so it's a becomes a teaching moment and even bakugo talks to the bully near the end he's like oh you're the ringleader okay well speaking from you know somebody who knows how to be a bully, you need to really think about, you know, what you're doing, basically. And that's, I feel like that's a hard pill to swallow for Bakugo. Because we know, we know and we know and we know, and if you go back, you will learn that Bakugo is, yeah, he's a bully and yeah, he's a hothead, but he genuinely just wants to be a hero. Like, he... As a kid, his his number one hero, his his idol, was All Might. And he wants to be like All Might. And he wants to be better than All Might because he wants to be that good of a hero. And, yeah, he, but he can't really change his personality, you know? Because he is who he is. He's almost like a mixture between All Might and Endeavor. Kind of. So, for Bakugo to say that to a bully like a small bully because he probably sees himself in that bully he's like hey like just slow your roll and be a kid and help these other kids be the best that they can be and you know at that point you know they did pass the test all the kids like help with the cleanup afterward because they do have to destroy the slide or whatever and Everything's good. And then at the very end, they see all of the higher-up teachers from both schools uh, talking to each other. And you learn that, okay, well, you know, the League of Villains may actually, you know, be looking at attacking more than just UA. And so we need to cross-reference stuff and we need to look at stuff. And even Endeavor goes to Todoroki and says, hey, like, I, I'm very proud of you for what you did back there, you know, in your licensing exam and 
you've changed a lot. And, you know, Todoroki is still somebody who is very standoffish with his father. Uh, there's a lot of tension there with, you know, the background and just personal stuff. And Endeavor says, like, as your father and the number one hero, I want to be deserving of those titles. I want to be, I want to deserve, like, I want to earn the fact to be your father. Like, yeah, I may have, like, I may have brought you into this world, but that doesn't really make you my, like, that doesn't really make you my son. That doesn't really make me your father. I want to earn that title. And I want to earn the number one hero title. And hearing this, Hiroshi, like, hears this, and it's so funny because he he's stubborn too. You know, these are, these are all, you know, big, hothead type of kids. He punches himself in the face. <laughs> and he walks over to Endeavor, and he says, I'm rooting for you. And that took guts. I love this book so much. And like, I'm already starting to get like a little bit of feels right now. Just thinking about this. This book has so much heart, so much heart and can literally teach people just like how to be a bigger person, how to be a better person. And I love it. And Endeavor actually says, thank you. He says, thank you for rooting for me. Oh, by the way, you're bleeding a lot. Uh you know, and, you know, it talks about later on how uh, a lot of the students attended the funeral of Night Eye and how uh, Eerie, you know, woke up from her coma or her concussion or whatever. And, you know, her quirk is diminishing in a way of like the the horn on her head apparently grows more if she's if she's using her quirk but now it's like very small apparently and so in the, in the at the very end you know they're having class and Deku is being his weird nerdy self uh and he gets a question wrong uh, but the vice president of their class does get it right uh but this is where it gets a little weird so uh the student his name is uh a ayami i think his name is ayami that's how you pronounce it uh you know they're all having lunch or whatever and ayami just runs up and puts a piece of cheese in deku's mouth just like randomly and he's very creepy about it he's like all up into his face sliding this piece of cheese in Deku's mouth and Deku's like what hey what's what's going on and Ayama's being very like friendly and weird and Deku's like uh no I'm I I think I'm okay and Ida and and, uh, Ochaku are like hey you know Ayawa why don't you eat with us we're we're all gonna go sit over here why don't you eat with us and he's like, oh, no, 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 cafeteria food kind of upsets my stomach a little bit. And you see him bringing his own food. He has, like, this elegant, like, plate and stuff. And Deku is just very weirded out by this whole interaction. And it says that it was, uh, he, it says here, sorry, uh, his actions made quite an impact, but still none of us had any idea that Ayawa was ever, was ever thinking. Uh, it was then 
that he started to reveal his true nature. It shows Deku back at the dorm. It says that it's 1 a.m. He needs to go to bed. And Ayawa is just standing while Deku is sleeping, standing outside of his window, just staring in in a very creepy way. And I know what's happening next. I don't want to spoil anything. But even because even in the anime, when this episode aired, that's exactly where it left off. And you're just like, that's creepy and weird. And I'm not sure what to think about that. Uh, okay. But we'll learn more about Ayawa's uh, true intentions and why he's acting so weird. Um, I will say we're getting closer and closer to the part that is literally going to break me. And I don't know if I'm actually going to cry on this podcast because of it. But uh, it's a big tease. But it's quite possibly one of my favorite moments in this anime. And I really hope that I get these same kind of emotions on the actual manga. But let's go ahead and jump into Rurouni Kenshin chapters 13 through 15. Alright, Rurouni Kenshin chapter 13 through 15. The battle between the Kurugasa Gen E versus Kenshin, the Batosai. This is still as great as I remember as far as the anime. Of course, this is the first time that I read it here on the manga. But uh, if you remember, uh, Kurugasa... Gen E used his very special paralyzing technique on Kairi, and it was a very strong, you know, like he he used extra amount of chi or whatever uh, to use this particular technique, and basically said that Kinshin had two minutes to kill him, or Kairi would die, and basically. Uh, the reason why I love this so much is because, again, Kenshin still proves how much of a complete badass that he is. And in the sense of Kenshin barely makes a move and Jin E continues to like step back and dodge and move like faster to get away from Kenshin when he's barely moving a muscle. Uh, when, when Kenshin is barely moving a muscle. And it gets to the point where Jinny actually uses the technique that usually paralyzes people. He uses it on himself uh, and somehow makes himself stronger. Don't really understand it because like he's like hitting a stone and you're like, oh man, that stone's going to like slash in like one hit. But then he like hits it like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. And there's like a little bit of crumbling on it, which is you know not very like impressive to me but i know it's supposed to be very dramatic but then kenshin's like all right cool well when i say i kill you you will be dead i will kill you and he like gets into this awesome stance uh and even freaking jin e notices he says that stance of the bato jutsu and it it says here the bato jutsu press the blade's edge against the inside of the sheath then draw the sword quickly to increase the speed of the sword swing by two or three times as normal. In this way, the attacker may strike the opponent before there is time to react. In other schools, this same technique is known as Iai or Nuki. And basically, Jenny is like, oh man, this is like God's speed, like 
type swordsmanship and there is a slim chance that I will survive but if I can dodge it he will not be able to react to anything that I do so at this point Jenny's like okay I can do this I can do this I can do this and he does attack him and he is betting okay well Kinshin right now is using the sak the sakabato yes sakabato yeah that's what it is which of course is Kinshin's blade that is like opposite the sharp end is on the straight edge while the dull end is where you usually cut so because of that he thinks that there's no way in hell Kenshin can really do any proper damage and Kenshin actually does miss and he's able to dodge the uh you know uh, Jenny is actually able to dodge but at the last second Kenshin actually uses the sheath as a weapon and smacks Jenny's side breaks a few ligaments his arm like he is done for absolutely done for he even says with that attack like you're no longer going to be a swordsman like you you cannot fight anymore and Kenshin is about to kill him like legitimately his sword is like way up in the air he's about to attack him and we if you remember the whole point of like breaking that paralysis because I believe in last episode we talked about how Kenshin broke out of the paralysis of sheer force of will and what ends up happening uh Jin-E is like really egging Kenshin on like kill me just kill me like you said it yourself I am no longer gonna be a swordsman I can't work as an assassin and you're just a natural born killer so you need to kill me it's the only way this is gonna end otherwise your girl is dead and Kyrie does not want that whatsoever because she knows how sweet and innocent Kenshin can naturally be and she gets the will to to break out of it she breaks out of it and at that point she says don't be the killer like you can still be you know you I know you can you don't have to kill him I promise and they're like okay I'm not gonna kill you and Jin E grabs his sword with his like very dull or his other arm and he stabs himself straight in the heart like not in the stomach he lifts it up a little bit more and like right into his heart stabs himself and falls down and with his dying words basically says like like you were right I'm I'm not gonna be able to work whatever he kind of reiterates that but he says like I was I was hired by the government that you guys swear upon so much. Like, this is not, he says here, and I do not want to leave my path. I could not leave my path. The biggest, the big man's interest and mine intersect. Thus, the crazed murderer, like, that that small thing saying, the big man's interest and mine intersect. Kinchin notices these words and he's like, oh, wait, you were hired. You were hired by who? And like he's starting to connect the dots. And so Jenny says, if you weren't going to kill me, like this was always going to be the plan. So that way, you know, the government can still, you know, work in secret, basically. And so there's the end of that. 
And we jump into a story about this woman. Uh, her name is... Well, before we get into that, uh, freaking... Uh, 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 oh my gosh. Names. Again, people. I am sorry. Uh, uh, freaking... Uh, Kinshin and uh, oh my god I can't remember his name he's like my favorite character um Sonosuke oh my gosh ah uh, okay so Sonosuke and Kinshin go gambling at this restaurant and somehow I don't know how uh, they don't really explain it but Kenshin has this like amazing act for being able to tell what the dice are because of course when they're get when people gamble back in this time it was all dice and I'm not sure if they're really playing for like money or anything but like Sonosuke is getting like super excited that like they're winning every roll and Kenshin is able to do it and uh, Sonosuke is like hey you know we're all friends here, but where is so-and-so? He he was like, he's the best at this. Why wouldn't he be here? And Sonosuke's friends are like, you, did you not hear? He died. He died of an overdose. Uh, and it was opium. And Kenshin is like, well, opium's kind of expensive. Like, how did he get his hands on that thing? And then a woman just runs in, immediately sees Kenshin and his sword, Grabs hold of him and is like, please help me with these people. They're chasing me, blah, blah, So a fight breaks loose. And there's even a third, like, weasel-looking dude that attacks Sonosuke's friends. And Sonosuke and Kenshin are not having it. Not having it whatsoever. And so at that point, they attack this guy. And then uh, this woman, her name is Megumi. She says, can you please, like, help me stay away from... Because they talk about this guy and about how he is, like, this big big man on campus type guy, like, around the area. And he's gotten so rich that he's able to, like, afford his own army type of thing. And apparently she was seen as a prostitute. And she's like, oh, no, 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 I wasn't a prostitute. Don't, don't mix my words, blah, blah, blah. But I just need your protection. And something falls out of her wrist. Of her, of her, uh, like, her arm cloth or whatever, her clothing. And Kenshin says, oh, well, does it have anything to do with his opium? And Sonosuke's eyes just get, like, really, really big, you know? So, that is uh, the end of the episode. Uh, I know that was very dramatic. It just stops right then and there. Um, no, that was the end of chapter 15. Uh, so we will learn if Megumi uh, is, in fact, involved in this whole opium trade or if, you know, this was planted on her or whatnot. Um, I don't necessarily remember from the anime, uh, but I, under, I, I do remember she was a little bit of a troublemaker whenever it comes with... Uh, to Kenshin. So I'm excited to get back into this. Uh, I enjoyed every single chapter that I read this week. Uh, 
And if it wasn't for my own rules, I would be reading all of these chapters as fast as possible and just getting through all of them. But I want to stay surprised for the show, and I've been really enjoying it. I really have. Uh, I understand that Dragon Ball Super is coming to an end, not necessarily like the actual book, but we're catching up to the release dates. So we will probably grab on to another book, so that way... Um, we can still have a good amount of content for the show. But with that, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. Share it. Uh, share it with your friends. Uh, if you have people that you know know a whole lot about mangas, or even if you know a whole lot about mangas, and you know would like to request that we talk about a book, please let me know. I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. And I also have uh, a Gmail. Uh, it's going to be fanboycomicspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please send me, you know, whatever you want. Uh, and, you know, find me on Twitter. I, I'm on Twitter almost all the time, every single day. So please find me there. And the show is mainly on Instagram now. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And I will see you guys next week. <laughs> You're